I'll tell you that unless you start to believe that you are in control of your health and your life, you're always going to suffer from that anxiety. And that's something I had to learn at a fairly young age in my 20s when I wasn't getting better. I was getting better and then relapse, getting better and then relapse. And it came down to like, I actually didn't believe one, that I was going to get well ever again fully because I kept relapsing. So it was, a, it was a vicious cycle. And the other thing is I didn't really feel worthy at the time of getting better. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle, and welcome back to the Good Life Coach Podcast. Today on the show, we'll be talking about how to optimize your health, boost your immune system, and lose any unwanted weight that you may have put on as a result of being home 24-7, or maybe you work on the front lines and have been under so much stress that being able to dial in your health and what you eat and exercising for all of us is just, it's been more of a challenge. Joining us to help us navigate this is Dr. Stephen Cabral, who is a board-certified naturopathic doctor who practices functional medicine and is committed to helping people get well, lose weight, and feel amazing. He's also the author of the international bestseller, The Rain Barrel Effect, How a 6,000-Year-Old Secret Holds the Answer to Finally Getting Well, Losing Weight, and Feeling Alive Again. And that's what we spoke about when he first came on the show in episode number two, which I will link in the show notes, and you can find at thegoodlifecoach.com. You'll see Dr. Cabral's picture on the homepage. Just click on that. And in the show notes will be the link to episode number two, which I highly encourage you to listen to because there was so much great information. So before we dive in, just a reminder that this is for informational purposes only and not intended to replace your relationship with your trusted healthcare provider. So let's get into the show. Hi, Dr. Cabral. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back on. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to be having you back to talk again. You were on episode two, which I will link in the show notes. Um, so when I booked this interview with you a couple months back, coronavirus was not a thing, or at least not on our radar here in the United States. And I think, I believe you were in Australia when it when it hit here. Yes, I was teaching a event, uh, an IHP event in Australia, and you know, it was going on, but it was nothing major at the time. It was more, and this is the, let's see, the very first week of March. Hmm. And um, so it was mainly in China and starting to move. And then in a just two weeks' time, uh, flights were being shut down. We were actually worried about getting back to the U.S. So we had to cut our Australia trip short by about a week. So my wife, uh, my two daughters, young daughters, we went over there. We said, you know, when's the next time we're going to be back to Australia? You know, it's a full 24 hours away, literally. And um, so we were having a great time, but uh, it ended up being quite stressful. And uh, I had my team back in the U.S. and we were worried about getting home. So 
luckily we did fly out in time and um, we made it back home. And now we've been just kind of dealing like everybody with yeah. just staying home and the virtual education for our kids and also all of the virtual based. Uh, luckily, we've been more virtual with our practice, but still, there's some adjusting to get used to. Absolutely. It's definitely been a transition. And I was debating today, you know, I love creating content that's evergreen, especially when it comes to health and nutrition-based information. But because you have this expertise, I'd love it if we could touch upon the virus and just get, you know, a general sense from a naturopathic doctor's perspective on what's going on and um, what we can do to protect our immune systems. Essentially, COVID-19 is a coronavirus, but it's a specific strain and simply named COVID-19 after what the actual virus looks like, which is um, like a halo projection of the sun with these, um, like basically spikes coming out of it specifically, almost like solar flares. And so this is different, right? This is, this is a SARS type coronavirus, severe acute upper respiratory, um, syndrome or severe acute respiratory syndrome. Um, but the complications are the swelling of inflammation in the lung tissue since the virus itself has an affinity for those specific lung receptor uh, receptors, as well as the kidneys and partially in the intestines. So what, what the hospitals really needed, though, was the actual space for beds. And that was to be able to do ventilators, yes, but really um, be able to provide the proper medications or whatever people needed at that time. What are you recommending just to boost immunity? What, what are you doing for your family? So I always recommend the foundation, meaning like every day of your life, take a really good daily activated multivitamin or something we do is the daily nutritional support. So you get all of your B vitamins, you get some vitamin C, you get some vitamin E, you get a little bit of everything. And that's what you need to supplement a good whole food nutrition diet. Mm -hmm. And and that's great. You know, so a Mediterranean style diet with some good solid activated multi, um, a daily fruit and vegetable blend, which is more like a, a greens type of powder, you know, just again, look for good brands, uh, omega three, two grams of omega three a day. Look for a brand that is, um, triglyceride bound is called, and that's been tested for heavy metals. And the last is a good probiotic. Now that's your foundation on top of that. Vitamin D zinc, vitamin C are, in my opinion, must use 25 to 50 milligrams of zinc a day, unless your doctor or health practitioner has said not to do that. Vitamin C, anywhere from one gram minimum up to five grams a day, just for daily use while this virus is out there. And then vitamin D, most adults need about 4,000 IU or about 35 IUs per pound of body weight. And that's a, those are three proven immunity boosters. I mean, look at the, all the research now on zinc and how some of these drugs may actually be helping with the uptake of zinc. And why some people are losing their taste is most likely because of a depletion of zinc too when you get the virus and we know vitamin D is a classic, um, you know, clinically proven uh, immune booster as well. So after that, you know, people say like, well, what about echinacea and what about licorice fruit and what about this? Listen, they're all fantastic. You know, L-lysine, colloidal silver, licorice root, cat's claw. Those are great. But you don't need to use those unless you actually get run down and get sick, in my opinion. You don't need to be using them for daily use. Right. Okay. So that's actually really helpful. Um, is there a time of day that you should take vitamin D versus zinc versus vitamin C, you know, C, is there a time of day that, or, and with or without food, does it matter? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, because a lot of people, they'd say, okay, I know I need to be taking zinc and then they take it and they get nauseous. Right. And that's because zinc must be taken mid meal or you will get nauseous. 
So, I mean, I use this for my daughters, my wife and I, everybody in our private practice. I've been, I've been preaching this, you know, really since the beginning, since the very beginning, use the de-stress protocol. It's not just supplements, but you know, supplements are important, especially since a lot of people have anxiety and they're not sleeping. So in this case, yeah. use some liquid melatonin. We've now seen that liquid melatonin helps decrease cytokine response. So it helps decrease inflammation and it helps decrease cortisol and allow people to get a deeper sleep. So when I look at this, I'm looking at it, you know, for the individual, but um, this is the time. I mean, this is the time that good quality functional medicine, nutritional supplements shine. I mean, we, they're clinically proven. We know that they work. Don't buy a cheap brand because it's, you're better off not using it at all. Um, and, uh, so when to use them. So the daily nutritional support or your daily activated multi, you can either do it for breakfast or you can split up your multivitamin across meals, your uh, daily fruit vegetable blend or your greens. Um, you can take that first thing in the morning with a little bit of lemon water or a little bit of apple cider vinegar if you want. That's great. Your omega-3, take that with a meal. Uh, any meal is honestly fine. We usually do it with dinner. And then your daily probiotic support, you can do that upon waking or before bed uh, or both. Totally up to you. And then your zinc, we typically do that at dinner. It's an anabolic mineral. It helps with the body, and so it's great to take it at night. Your vitamin D, we like to take it earlier in the day because it's uh, a little bit more, it's not, you know, you're going to be getting magnesium in your daily nutritional support. You take it with that. It won't make your blood calcium retentive. We're not doing a high dose, but it can give you a little bit of energy boost. And then for the uh, vitamin C, well, um, if you're using the alkalizing vitamin C, which we're recommending, because you get the buffered minerals along with it, uh, away from food. So an hour before a meal. Oh, away from food. Yeah. How much vitamin D for kids? Yeah. And again, just like you said, uh, these are just general recommendations. If you have a health condition or any reason why you shouldn't be using these, you know, please do speak to your health practitioner. So for children, uh, like I'll just, I'll let you know what my daughters are doing. So yeah. they're doing, uh, five milligrams to seven and a half milligrams of zinc every day. They're five and seven years old. You know, they weigh somewhere around, you know, 40 pounds, uh, a little bit more, um, depending, depending on which one we're talking about. Um, <laughs> So vitamin C, they're getting um, 250 to 500 milligrams per day. That's mm -hmm. not, obviously not grams, but it's it's uh, milligrams. Now, when they get sick, they get a higher dosage of all these things, just like I would give myself. Um, and then for vitamin D, they get 1,000 IUs. When they go on a plane, well, they're going to get more of these things as well. Mm -hmm. So they were just on a plane with us, and um, so we boost their immune system the day before, during, and then also the day after. And then, you know, th so then, you know, going back, they – if I use the daily nutritional support, so my, my daughters get uh, just a half a scoop to three quarters of a scoop of that, which is like the activated multi. Um, and then for omega-3s, they get essentially what's a half a teaspoon, and that's about three-fourths to one gram of omega-3s every day. So, you know, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. They get all the stuff that I'm using because um, children aren't really different than adults. They're actually developing, and their growth is very important. You just don't do the same dosage because most adult dosages are based on an adult that weighs around 150 pounds. Uh, it doesn't mean if you're a 120-pound adult, you can't use that dosage. You should typically use that dosage. Uh, but kids, you dose it based on their weight. So if they're 75 pounds, typically it's 50% of the dosage. And if they weigh well, somewhere around 35 pounds or so, then they're going to do about 25% um, of that dosage. That, okay. Yeah, that makes sense right around there. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so you did mention that obviously people are feeling a lot of anxiety right now. They're not sleeping very well. Mindset is something that you cover on your podcast and you talk a lot about. What do you recommend to reduce 
anxiety and stress and to get that good sleep. Because I will tell you, like melatonin, you can't, you can't find that. You can't even find the cheap versions of it. <laughs> it's like somebody, you know, must write an article and then everybody just goes and hoards it. So <laughs> what can it's we true. be So what can we be doing yeah. to get that deep sleep and to reduce anxiety and stress as best we can? Well, and I just want to touch on that, meaning that um, we we are a global um, like supplier to people all over the world with with good quality nutritional supplements. That's just one part of what we do. Uh, but just you know, kind of behind the scenes, it's been difficult for us. We have kept up stock wise, but globally, vitamin C, mm. melatonin, zinc, and vitamin D is there's tons of vitamin D. So you won't run out of that. Um, but those have been difficult. Like we're, we are struggling and we're doing our best, but we're struggling to keep that in stock. Um, and then again, doctors like MDs will say like, Oh, well, there's no clinical data behind it. Well, meanwhile, there's like 10,000 studies on it. Um, (laughs) but it's difficult. So I agree with that. Now it never comes before meaning like our, so my de-stress protocol is diet, exercise, stress reduction, toxin removal, rest and sleep, which we're about to talk about, emotional balance, supplements, and success mindset. So I always want people to know there's eight parts. Supplements is not more important than any one of those. Mm. It's just on the same level playing field, meaning yeah. like the best diet in the world still isn't going to supply you with all the vitamins and minerals. And if and if you believe that, which I once did, then you just have to run what we call the starter kit. And you can see, are you okay? Are your vitamin levels where they should be and mineral levels? And and most people, you'll see that even with a great diet, that they're not. They just need a little bit extra help because it's not there in the soil anymore. But in terms of sleep, there's there's a bunch of different ways to reduce anxiety with people. And it's based on what works for them. Some people, they just can't get into meditation, no matter how hard they try. Mm-hmm. So what I have them do is I have them go for a walk. And after dinner, take a, take a walk with your dog, go for a light walk, listen to binaural beats. Um don't turn on the news. That's for sure. But turn on something that's mindless, like watch something mindless. If that's what helps you to reduce anxiety, don't turn to alcohol. Don't turn to other things like that, which will get you to sleep, but you won't stay asleep. You're not going to get that deep rejuvenating sleep. But so, I mean, there's, there's uh, emotional freedom technique. There's tapping, there's Epsom salt baths. There's using a sauna. There's going for a walk after dinner. Um, meditation float tank, like all these things are fantastic. Self massage, But I'll tell you that unless you start to believe that you are in control of your health and your life, you're always going to suffer from that anxiety. And that's something I had to learn at a fairly young age in my 20s when I wasn't getting better. I was getting better and then relapse, getting better and then relapse. And it came down to like, I actually didn't believe one, that I was going to get well ever again fully because I kept relapsing. So it was, a, it was a vicious cycle. And the other thing is I didn't really feel worthy at the time of getting better. It's like it was this deep psychological, subconscious self-sabotage. Mm. And now with COVID-19, people are so uncertain because the media lets you know, like, we just don't know. We just like that. All they keep telling you is we don't know, but hopefully we'll know tomorrow. And then so you tune back in. It's it's just a, it's a game to them um, where we do know. We're like, now we're seeing, the, here's the good news. In a month from now, so if this gets published in a month, we'll see much more, many more people getting tested, and we'll see that maybe 20% to 30% of the people tested actually test positive mm. for the antibodies to COVID-19. And when they do, they say, okay, well, now we can look at the mortality rate is actually 0.06% or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And so that now that still sounds like a high number, and I'm not saying that it's not, but now we look at it compared to the flu. 
which again was affected 40 million people last year alone. Mm. In 2017, 70 to 80 million people. Wow. Mortality was 40,000 people. Um, just in the United States, by the way. Mm. And I don't know the exact number in the United States, but it's, I don't believe it's 40,000 yet. And, uh, in 2017, it was 70 to 80 million people, you know? And so I know that we're stopping the spread because we're staying at home. I agree with that. And that's yeah. what we should be doing, yeah. but mainly because we've never been through this before. So we need to figure out what is this, what's going on, how can we test people faster? And then what are the protocols in order to now help people if they do end up in a hospital? Yeah, for sure. Well, let me ask you about testing. So um, I know that there's potentially some antibody tests or they're working on it. Now, I've seen traditional doctors say the test isn't reliable yet. And I know that some naturopathic doctors here in San Diego are offering it. What do you know about the antibody test? Well, we were... Uh, so. The, the company that I essentially formulate for and I, I run the labs for and all of that is Equilibrium Nutrition. And this is a company that's grown over the past, let's say, four or five years to work with some of the largest and most reputable labs in the United States and all over the world, actually, because we work with a lab in Australia and in Germany. And the only reason I say that is that we know the labs that are coming out with these COVID-19 um, tests because we're not a lab company. We just open source these labs to people around the world. And so, uh, well, about four weeks ago, not six weeks ago, but about four weeks ago, we were asked to reach out to our community to say, we need people that tested positive already for COVID-19 to be a part of this essentially research study. Mm. So they have a lab test and they need to confirm that there are no negatives for people that officially tested positive, like at a hospital through like a nasal swab or something. Mm -hmm. So we ran that. The The test didn't, um, I mean, I can just say that they didn't go well. So like, obviously we would never promote that. And the labs we work with are very reputable. So neither were they. Mm-hmm. Well, then they came up with another test and this is based on an IgM and IgG antibody. Mm-hmm. That means uh, IgM would be in the recent past, you most likely had COVID-19 and IgG would be like, well, it's probably been a few weeks to months potentially. Mm-hmm. Cause there were people getting COVID-19 in January or potentially even late 2019, which they're not sharing with you. Like it's a possibility. Of course. I had it in January and I tell people that because I hadn't been this sick since I was 27 years old. Like that I can remember it because of how sick I was. Meaning 3 days of fever, I had kidney pain and I lost my sense of taste. Now, mm. I I can tell you when that happened and I was literally 27 years old. So it'd been a long time. And now maybe it was just the flu, maybe it was just a nasty virus. Either way, the nice thing is that I recovered in 3 days. Um, and it was probably like another maybe three days or four days before that sense of taste came back mm. and that I was feeling a hundred percent. Um, do I know it was COVID-19? No, but when the, when the lab test comes out, I will test for it. Now here's the issue. The only issue is not that it doesn't work. It's working. It might pick up on people that have gotten the flu shot. Oh, and it might show antibodies for that. They don't, they're not positive on that yet. So it might show false positives. Mm. And, um, and we just don't know, which is also the why most reputable companies are not putting it out there until they know for sure. Okay. That's helpful because in theory, it's great. It would be wonderful to know whether you've had exposure or you've already had it, or you had it and never had symptoms, or maybe like you 
can confirm that what you had in January was in fact that virus and not the flu or some other horrible cold, right? So I think yes. it would be, and I think one of the saddest things about all of this is knowing that you could have a loved one, a parent, a grandparent in the hospital and you can't go see them because, that's right. yeah, that to me is one of the most horrible parts of all of this because you can't, and so if you had the antibody and you could say, well, well I've already had it, here's, here's the proof, let me be with that person. That to me is a silver lining. So that's that's why I was curious. Um, yeah, and I think that we will. So I just want to let people know there there may be a second wind to this this fall and winter, but I know I believe that we'll have the testing by then, and you'll mm -hmm. be able to get the results within seventy two hours. Previous testing, I had people tested. It was ten to twelve days, and it was unbelievable. A friend of mine, um, she was three months pregnant. Uh, she goes in. For the test, ten days later, eleven days later, they tell her, "Oh no, you're not you're not positive for it." But like she had to wait that long. Wow. Another friend of mine got tested, and it was fourteen days. And so, like at that point, you're recovered, of course, or you're not. Like, right. I mean, like it's right. just too late. So yeah. what, what what good does that do? And the other thing, nice thing is I tell people is that there's no preventing really a virus. What happens is the virus enters your body through your eyes your nose, or your mouth typically. If you have cracks in your fingers or anything like that, yes, it can get through that as well. Um, but the thing is, a healthy body will always appropriately deal with the virus and create that fever and create that immune response. Mm. So I just want to let people know, like, you're not always going to be able to prevent every illness in life. And that's why viruses are essentially uh, fragmented DNA. You pick up and they, you're now the host. Well, your body's job is to disable, unwind that virus DNA and kill it with essentially your immune cells and then remove it from your body. So I always want to let people know 80% of people are asymptomatic, which means a slight headache, eh, slight flu-like symptoms, or really nothing at all. Um, and some people have a little bit more of a reaction. Um, I always go back to, it's possible I did because I had traveled to four countries in 12 weeks mm. and had done seven seminars. Oh my goodness. And one of those was in uh, was in Germany. So I was over, I was exposed in Europe, which they believe that there was a, a potential another strain over there. Mm. Um, and all the travel and all that, my body was a little run down. But at the same time, I used myself as an example. Like I was run down, all of that. Um, and I was not doing the immunity boosters. I was just doing normal you know, products. And mm. And my body recovered. And I don't have a more robust immune system than anybody else. Like, I just want people to know that. Like, I mean, I had I had uh, Addison's disease and rheumatoid arthritis and type 2 diabetes. I'm healthy now. Like, everything is good. Life is good. But it's not like because uh, I have a doctoral degree that I'm, I'm more immune to it than other people. That's not how it works. No, completely. Well, okay. So let's switch gears here. So this may be somewhat, I'm hoping, evergreen content on this part of it. But... Um, somebody had posted a meme that made me laugh on social media. It said something like, the buttons on my pants are now social distancing. And so I think a lot of people right now have been home, whether they've been stressed and drinking more alcohol, uh, going for more chocolate or salty, crunchy snacks, anything that's or comfort food, because it was, it had hit in wintertime where we're craving that anyway. Um, you know, a lot of people are, they put on some weight that they didn't intend to or don't want. Now that the weather's getting a little nicer and we're kind of becoming more body conscious again, what advice can you give on uh, where we can begin to clean up our 
eating habits and start feeling good and maybe shed some of that that unwanted weight? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I think most people have. Like one is your home, so you're around your food all the time. Yeah. And the second is like there's been a lot of alcohol <laughs> uh, <laughs> for most people in the evening, whether it be wine to reduce anxiety yeah. or whwhatever your favorite uh, beverage of choice is. And there's a whole lot more sitting down. I mean, the nice thing for me is that I'm with my family. We're walking two to three times a day Mm. and uh, we're doing, which we've never done before, an after dinner walk. And it's like this really nice routine that we've all gotten into that our girls actually look forward to. And my wife and I, you know, love it because like they'll either scoot ahead on their scooters or they'll just walk ahead and run and play. And so that's been really nice. And we see people walking as well. And even though, you know, we're, we're, you know, which is kind of weird. Like you're literally walking away from people when they walk to you. Um, and that's like, I don't want that to become the new norm because that is a very detrimental thing to our psyche and to we as humans and especially little kids like, Oh no, stay away from those people. They might get you sick. Like it's very dangerous to, to start to think that way. Um, but, uh, it's a nice routine. What I would say is this, is if, if every season Ayurveda teaches us to do a specific detox and my highest recommendation is to do that elimination diet, do the detox, which includes a little bit of fasting while you're inside, because it's going to allow you to rest a little bit more. You can still do your home workouts. You're in a controlled environment. You're going to lose the weight and you're going to do something healthy also for your body. So don't just do a crash diet. Do something that is going to give you benefit where your body removes more of these toxins in the first place. So, you know, we do a functional medicine seasonal detox uh, every single year. And if you haven't done one yet for the spring weather, then that's my, that would be my recommendation. Um, yeah. So I mean, that, that's because it already includes the seven, nine servings of fruits and vegetables every day. You're going to get your activated multis in there and, and all that great stuff. So support the liver and you'll lose, well, most people lose five pounds or so in a week and 10 pounds over two weeks. And so two to three week detox, I, I think most people will get huge benefit from that. Okay. All right. But I'm going to have you break this down more. Let's say somebody can't, I don't know, afford more supplements or don't, I don't know. They just, they want to do with whatever they have in their cabinets right now. And so what you talked about detoxing, I know that um, you can safely uh, do that by stopping eating at a certain time and waking up. So intermittent fasting, but in a, in a very healthy, safe way. Can we start there and then maybe talk about what you know, a morning breakfast might look like, lunch, what foods to avoid, uh, because I think we've been eating a lot of pasta and rice right now and bread (laughs) so and beans. I don't know that beans are good, but still. Yeah, and I, well, I think that, um, I mean, so the, the, I think the truth is, and I know for sure for your listeners, a lot of people know what to do. Mm -hmm. So now, because they were doing it, a lot of people. So now it's a mindset of, a lot of people do well with a regimen, like a protocol, um, to, to get back into it. So whatever that regimen is for yourself, being like partner with your spouse or partner with a friend that you can share the experience to get it is now about willpower while you're home. And so like, who are you partnering with? Because, you know, I can say to people, and I, I think everyone should do this every day, 12 hours to maybe 14 hours a day of an intermittent fast, you know, no matter what, if you can stop eating three hours before you go to bed, so if you're going to bed at, let's say, 10 o'clock, stopping eating by 7 p.m., 6, 7 p.m., that's fantastic. And then 
being in bed for eight hours, and then after that, eating an hour or two hours or so after you wake up, really nice intermittent fast. Then for the AM, you can do uh, a brightly colored fruit smoothie or an acai bowl. One thing we do for my daughters is we basically just make a smoothie, but but use less liquid, and so it becomes like an ice cream, we call it. Mm. And so they're getting all their nutrition from that in the morning, and I love that as well. So um, you can do that, keep your body hydrated. It's very, it's very washing, it's flushing for the body when you put in all that water-based uh, fruit. And, and again, you don't have to go overboard. You can use berries and you can put greens in there if you'd like, uh, some, some uh, vegan-based, plant-based protein powder, and then wait three to four hours before your next meal. So your meals should allow your blood sugar to come back down. That's going to help regulate blood sugar. And when it does, well, you're going to be able to tap more into body fat. And so then we go on to lunch. And so we typically recommend a plant-based lunch or you can do a paleo-based lunch and um, you can include the healthy foods that you want. But my goal is you don't want to deprive yourself. So what you do is you crowd out a lot of the bad foods. <laughs> you know, we call them bad, but mm-hmm. it's just more of like the the white, brown, processed foods that come mm-hmm. from a box or a bag. So if we can focus on seven to nine servings of fruits and vegetables every day, and we get two to three at breakfast, three at lunch, and three at dinner. We're at nine a day. And what would lunch look like? Well, lunch could simply be a half of a sweet potato, and then let's just say a cup of broccoli and a cup of cauliflower, so your cruciferous vegetables, which are very detoxifying. Mm. And then for lunch, it's maybe some cooked spinach and asparagus or some rainbow carrots and some parsnips. Uh, and then you add your protein to that, olive oil for a healthy fat. So, you know, these are all really great Mediterranean style dishes that are proven to be naturally anti-inflammatory, really healthy for you. Um, and now it's just a matter of like, okay, how do we get everybody on board for this? But, you know, healthy foods can be absolutely delicious. You just use the right spices, a little sea salt, a little olive oil, and uh, and have your plates brightly colored. And that's going to help the immune system and that's going to help you uh, reduce the inflammation, the water weight, and take off the body fat as well. Um, let me ask you one thing about the smoothies. Always protein in the smoothie, not just pure fruit? Most people don't do well with a smoothie that's pure fruit okay. because they drink it too quickly. Yeah. Um, it And it just goes into the bloodstream a little too fast. Yeah. So they're hungry an hour later. So it's not satiated, satiating enough. And, um, they don't get the regulated blood sugar that adding a little bit of healthy fat, adding some plant-based protein, whether it be daily nutritional support, hemp protein, rice protein, pea protein, whatever you like, um, add that in and add in a little healthy fat. If you want, you can drop in a Brazil nut with some selenium for the thyroid, whatever you like. And Mm. that's why the nice thing about a smoothie, and I make this with my daughters, like, what do you want to add today? And we'll make a pink smoothie and we'll add in some pineapple and some pitaya. And now we have this beautiful pink smoothie. And of course, I sneak in the daily nutritional support, <laughs> add in a little omega-3. And they get all that, but they made it. Like they had a hand in that and and they drink it. And so that's the nice thing is um, when you get your kids involved um, in the process that they're more apt to actually consume it too. That's true. And you said something that's so true. We all really do know what to do. And it becomes a mindset thing where we just need to make a commitment back to ourselves to not just indulge in everything because we're anxious or stressed or bored. You know, we're like you said, we're walking by the fridge every five minutes. So that doesn't help. Well, and that's why that's why it comes back to the accountability partner, though, yeah, or like protocol, that. or something. 
like we need, we need something that it's, we just call it like a kickstart, like a jumpstart, like what's going to get you there. And just saying like, Oh, well tonight we're going to cook salmon, <laughs> you know, like it's great. And I want you to do that wild salmon or something like that. Um, but like, what about breakfast tomorrow and lunch tomorrow? Like what keeps you in that regimen? So either your uh, spouse or partner or friend, like somebody has to be on board with you, mm-hmm. uh, or it has to be part of a program where you committed to it that you, you just saying, listen, I've committed to this. I'm going to be a part of it. And it's what I'm going to do for the next. And you have to give yourself a date, seven, 14 or 21 days. And that's why, you know, we all are willing to do it when there's kind of an end date and an end goal. Yeah. So say we, we use smart goals, right? So it's specific, it's measurable, it's attainable, it's realistic and it's timely. So if we say, okay, well, I'm going to give myself 28 days to get in great shape. So I'm going to dedicate 30 minutes a day to exercise. I'm going to dedicate, uh, I'm going to eat three meals a day. I'm going to plan them out. You can do that. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, you will be in amazing shape in 30 days if you commit to that. Okay. Well, I'm committing right now, (laughs) but let me ask another question because I think there's also women, I'm 49, who are going through perimenopause or think we are or in menopause. And even though we might be exercising the same or eating pretty much the same, the weight wants to sit around the waist now, or it's accumulating in the thighs. What can we do to target weight that's specifically sitting in those areas, especially the waist? Like, when we don't have that issue before, what, what's going on and how do we, how do we get at that? So one of the big things with weight gain around the midsection is we always look towards cortisol and insulin and the two work together. So the more stressed you are, typically the more cortisol you're going to produce, which is called a glucocorticoid, which then you don't even have to be eating carbohydrates. It pulls the sugar out of storage houses, which is essentially the liver or it can pull it from muscles, or it can break it down from protein, but your body creates sugar. And so what happens is at that point, well, it raises blood sugar. And when you raise blood sugar, then your body releases more insulin. And unless you're using that sugar in your blood because you're stressed, but that doesn't mean that you're actually running away from anything or Mm. running towards something. It just means you're stressed. (laughs) So what happens then is your body says, okay, I guess we didn't need the sugar. So then it, it actually, uh, insulin's a, predominantly fat storage hormone. It's not the only thing it does, but um, it will store it as fat. And it typically then is around the midsection. Mm-hmm. It's either called visceral body fat, which uh, is around the organs, which is even unhealthier. It's less common in women, more common in men. Um, and then there's subcutaneous body fat, and that's the body fat that's softer, that you know kind of makes that roll in the stomach if you lean forward. Um, and that happens from, again, cortisol, blood sugar, and thyroid is a contributor um, for that. Now, around the hips, is typically more what's called estrogen dominant. So oftentimes, uh, even even um, in uh, premenopause, women will become estrogen dominant under higher times of higher cortisol because what happens is they go lower on progesterone. And when you're lower on progesterone, even if your estrogen is not high, you get all the symptoms of higher estrogen. And that can be higher cholesterol, believe it or not. It can be uh, more water retention, more cellulite, more weight gain, more bloating, more lower mood, mm. uh, insomnia, bone loss. So we actually want to make sure bone loss is actually with lower estrogen. I apologize about that. Um, so our job during perimenopause and menopause is to make sure that a woman's hormones are all within balance mm. so that we're actually looking at the delicate balance between cortisol, thyroid, estrogen, and progesterone, 
And then also any dramatic drops in DHEA and testosterone, because the dramatic drop in DHEA and testosterone, we think of them as male hormones, but they're not. They're actually all humans' hormones. And DHEA is needed for the immune system. It balances cortisol. And testosterone is needed to keep muscle mass uh, on the body as well and, and make us feel good, improve libido, uh, improve energy and stamina. And uh, when that declines, women begin to lose more muscle. And then when the women lose more muscle, which starts at the age of about 27 years old, and they lose about five pounds per decade if they're not weight training, then you can see, well, half a pound a year is no big deal. But over 30 years, mm. you lose 15 pounds of muscle. Wow. I mean, that's, that's an enormous amount of muscle. And that will lower your metabolism and make it more difficult to keep the body fat off because now you're burning less calories per day. So now we're in this vicious cycle of, well, I can't eat as many calories but you have to eat enough calories to sustain yourself and now you can't lose the weight. So it really is not all about diet and exercise. Mm. You can't overexercise because then you overproduce cortisol and you're too hungry. You can't underexercise, but you actually have to balance those hormones. Um, seed cycling helps. I did a podcast on seed cycling that can help tremendously. And then also, um, one other big thing is, is those cruciferous vegetables and a detox because they allow then excess estrogen to be better eliminated through the liver and just make sure, again, that you're not constipated. Many women are constipated and don't like to talk about it. If you are constipated, you are most likely reabsorbing the end byproducts of estrogen back into the bloodstream, which is not a good thing. Well, it's interesting because my next question was, how do hormones factor into the weight gain? <laughs> so you just answered it. So what when you said seed cycling, I'll link to that episode. <laughs> and we, we just tackled that. I know. I, that's why I was like, oh, you just you knew where I was going. Um, I, I had a feeling hormones had a lot to do with it. Um, S-E-E-D cycling, seed? Yes, because it's actually based on um, seeds such as, well, they're flax, pumpkin, sesame, and oh, sunflower. seed cycling. And okay. you... Yeah. You eat them at specific times for each two weeks. And it's now it's going to work best for premenopause mm -hmm. and perimenopause, less so for postmenopausal women, simply because you're not fluctuating hormones in the same way. So, for example, the first 14 days or so, estrogen is going to be higher in the follicular phase of a female cycle. And the last 14 days, right around days 19, 20, 21, you're going to get the highest peak of progesterone. And so we have seeds that actually will then allow for the production of a little bit more estrogen, progesterone and some that will allow for the little bit more production of flax. So this helps most to balance that hormonal cycle. And then um, there's a great, uh, again, you can add this to a good whole food diet, but nutritional supplement um, called Estrogen Balance, which contains DIM, DIM, and I3, I3C, which help with estrogen dominance um, as well. So that can be used for 12 weeks. Uh, it can be used a little longer if you'd like, but it's to help regulate that, especially um, while you're while you're controlling stress and, and other factors. Okay, so I just have one more question, which is the exercise piece, because I know you've talked about not overdoing it during times of stress, meaning this virus and how it's impacting people's emotional and mental states. But can we, is walking enough? Is it enough to get fit? and lose weight and tone up can, or do we have to like get our heart rate up if we're doing that walk? Or I'm just curious around actual movement. Well, in terms of longevity, the research is pretty phenomenal and it's between 10 and 12,000 steps per day dramatically decreases your chance for mortality over the age of 40 years old. Right. So I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, I just did a podcast on this. I put up the chart, the graph and, uh, you, I mean, you, you drop 
it's it's like a there's a gap of approximately 20 almost 20 years which is remarkable it's like 17 years if you just on a daily basis you walk on average 10 to 12,000 steps a day now it sounds like a lot the average person walks about 3,500 steps per day um, and that's like your typical you know, desk job sitting down, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take a lot to get to 10,000. It's 110 minutes or so of walking, 100 minutes, mm-hmm. 110 minutes. And when you look at that, well, it's just over an hour and a half. So if you would do your regular walking and then you would purposely walk for about 45 minutes a day, and it could be broken up all over the day, you'd hit your 10,000 steps per day. Um, but so in terms of longevity, it seems to be enough, mm. a brisk walk. However, brisk. In terms brisk, of getting your not body a leisurely walk, brisk walk. Are you should you be targeting getting your heart rate up, or you can should keep it kind of relaxing, but brisk. Uh, re- relaxing and brisk, yes. Okay, yeah. But now, if we're talking about um, taking your fitness to the next level, cardiovascular decrease, mm. two resistance training workouts per week, two cardio workouts per week was the magic number. Whenever you went to number three on each one of those. There wasn't dramatically more results. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit more results at three, but not dramatically more than the two. Now, and I will say that walking is not going to transform anybody's body into something that we would like we're attaining or we're shooting for Mm -hmm. because it's also not going to keep muscle in your body. So in my opinion, the minimum amount of strength training workouts per week is two. Mm -hmm. So you could do it like a Monday, Thursday. You don't want to do a Monday, Tuesday, or even a Monday, Wednesday, because then you have four days off in between workouts. So if you're only doing two, Try to do Monday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday, Saturday, something like that. Um, And then you do need a little bit of cardio. So the cardio is a huge component because you're training anaerobically with resistance training and interval training, which is great. I'm a huge advocate of that. Mm -hmm. But I've got more back into aerobic, meaning like, so like I was like most people in in the health and fitness industry as well, less on that because it didn't really transform your body. You don't need to do cardio to get in great shape for most people. But in terms of overall health mm. and telomere length, which is like the end of the DNA that allows for better cell replication, it's, believe it or not, cardiovascular. Mm. And it's more steady state for about 30, 40-minute workouts. That was the difference maker. Wow. So I'm, I'm always like, let's take the best of everything. Nobody has to be the only one that's right. And, and they're all right. It's just like, well, how do you create that? Well, in my opinion, if you carved out Three workouts a week for about 45 minutes or so, 50 minutes. You could do a 20-minute strength training workout and about 30 minutes of cardio, and you're golden. You're good to go. And most people, I mean, they, you can get an exercise bike for $200 now, or you can get a new Peloton bike, whatever you want, mm-hmm. and you have that at home. And you can do body weight workouts or band workouts or kettlebell workout right at home. So you can do this you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, um, or if you only have the weekends to work out, Saturday and Sunday, and then try to get in Wednesday. And, and people will get fantastic results. You combine that with good quality nutrition, predominantly more of a Mediterranean style diet that focuses on predominantly plant-based nutrition. Um, it's not that you can't have some fish or meat or anything like that. It's just less of that, Mm -hmm. more of the seven to nine servings of fruits and vegetables. I mean that with the top leading causes for death are heart disease, stroke, high blood pressure and diabetes. Mm. And what we just talked about, if you really follow that, it almost virtually eliminates your possibility of dying from those. That That's the remarkable thing. So 
people can't do this. And, and the thing is like, and I know because we're, we're talking more about this more than ever, which is, I mean, fantastic. That's why I'm doing this. And many other people are doing this. Like, this is what we want to preach to people. So now I think, I think people ultimately know what they need to do. Now they need the specific plan and to stick with it yeah. because it's not necessarily sexy, right? It's not right. going to be like, well, the new thing is this. It really hasn't changed in about 20 to 30 years. Mm. The science keeps getting better, but we keep saying aerobic, yes. Strength training, yes. Walking, yes. Mediterranean <laughs> diet, yes. And it's like, and now we can add more stuff into it like, oh, well, what about an Epsom salt bath? And what about a seasonal detox and, and intermittent fasting? Like these are kind of more new, even though, mm-hmm. again, naturopaths have been doing that for a couple hundred years. And Ayurveda, they've been fasting people for a long time. Mm-hmm. But they're more, these are more mainstream and those are great. But of course, people can overdo it. People are fasting now for 16 hours. Well, if 16 hours is good, let's do it for 20. Mm-hmm. And they're working out while fasted. And, mm. and eventually, as you get older, that becomes very catabolic. You can get away with anything when you're in your early 20s and mid-20s. Totally. But after you've had a little bit of life under your belt, you know, <laughs> it starts to break down the body a bit. And, uh, and it doesn't work as well for people in their 40s and 50s. Oh, my goodness. This has been so great. I actually just have one question. I'm curious. You mentioned you were in Australia for IHP. What What is that your certification program? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So about uh, a year and a half ago now, we had a lot of people listening to the podcast and, and really asking, you know, how do I learn more of what you're talking about? Because when I, when I uh, talk in my podcast... What I'm really doing is sharing with people two decades plus of work, research, clinical practice, where we've seen uh, over a quarter of a million client appointments. We work with people all over the world, and we we know what works because we've done what doesn't work, and we've made adjustments. And you know, I can say as of like seven, eight years ago, we have the protocols that work, and we do them over and over, and we make adjustments, of course, for the individual. But now we teach that. So it's called, um, it's integrativehealthpractitioner.org. It's the Integrative Health Practitioner Institute. And we have a course for the general public. Um, I'm a huge advocate that I just believe there should be a health coach in every home. Mm-hmm. And if we, because I think we've gotten away from that. So for example, when my grandmother um, and their family was in Italy, they knew how to eat. Yes. Can't come to the US, two generations later, my parents don't know how to eat. Mm-hmm. It's not their fault. So we grew up and we had uh, cereal for breakfast, like fruity pebbles, brunch, we drank Kool-Aid because like, that was what was marketed to us, right? So food became a based thing rather than health. Um, so we got away from the, you know, fruit for breakfast or the oatmeal or things like that that they would do uh, and away from the walking, away from all the different things that they would do. So um, what we do is we bring in the de-stress protocol. So we teach people the diet, the exercise, the stress reduction, toxin removal, the rest and sleep protocols, emotional balance, supplement protocols, and the success mindset so that they can use it for themselves. They can use it with their family, their friends, their community. But then we also offer certification that if they want to begin to become a health coach or if you want to add that to your repertoire, because um, probably about 50% of the people have no experience and 50% of the people maybe in the health industry or not, and they want to learn the protocols that we've been using in our um, global functional medicine practice now for for many years and they become certified and then we list all of the practitioners on our practitioner page and um you know you can see people all over the world are now working with their own private clients and really making a living doing what they're passionate about what they love and they're helping people and and now 
more than ever to have a virtual based career mm. and to be able to help people. I mean, even if you never use it as a career to be able to get on a podcast, to post on social media, to just help friends and family. Like, listen, let's separate fact from fiction and, and let's, let's really share with people what the truth is. And so that's what we try to do. And we do it from an integrative approach. There's a time and place for everything. And we try to share with people what, not just what the theory is, but what the actual protocols to use with people. I love it. And um, thank you so much for your time today. It's always so informative to talk to you. You're such a wealth of knowledge. You have your book, The Rain Barrel Effect, which we talked about in episode two, and I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, Just always a pleasure to connect with you. So thank you so much for your time today. Where can people learn more about your practice? My my main website is stephencabral.com. It's just Stephen with PH. My podcast is just stephencabral.com forward slash podcast called The Cabral Concept. And um, the labs, the protocols that we offer uh, around the world is at equilibriumnutrition.com. And uh, happy to connect on Instagram as well with anybody that wants to chat. And that's it. So thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care. This is Michelle Lamoureux, and you've been listening to the Good Life Coach Podcast. So I want to let you know that I have a free gift for you if you're interested. I've been thinking of how uncertain things are and wanted to do something a little extra and want to give you a copy of my book. It's called Design a Life You Love, A Woman's Guide to Living a Happier and More Fulfilled Life. And I usually sell it on Amazon for $10, but you can download for the month of April a free copy. It covers life love, work, body, relationships, and simplicity. And the intention behind it is to help you live your life with greater purpose and clarity, make loving yourself and your body a priority, have a career and relationships that you love, and incorporate simple pleasures for greater joy. So that's what the book covers. There's a lot of great exercises with each inspiration, and I hope that you find it helpful. Again, you can find it over at thegoodlifecoach.com. You'll see the sign up right on the homepage, and you can get your copy today. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend and to subscribe now on Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. While you're there, please take a second to review the show so I know what's resonating with you. It means the world to me to know that you've taken a minute to share your feedback and I read every review that's posted. So thanks as always for tuning in. If you want additional inspiration and tips, come on over and visit me on Instagram. You can find me at Michelle with one L underscore Lamoureux. Thanks so much. And I'll look forward to reconnecting with you soon. Bye for now.